You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here, to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week, we'll get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Grassroots Gravel is a new entity and new event coming to Pueblo, Colorado this fall, and Adam Davidson is back to talk about it. You may recall Adam was on episode 41 to talk about trail building and the Southern Colorado Trail Builders Group in Pueblo. I'll reference that episode in the show notes. This time, he's back to promote his gravel event that is designed to attract the gravel racers, gravel bikers, but also the everyday rider who might want to try something new. October 14th is event day, and you can find out more at grassrootsgravel.com. For now, here's Adam. Well, I would like to welcome back to the podcast, Mr. Adam Davidson. How are you doing, Adam? I am excellent, and thank you for having me, Murph. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. Uh, I looked back, and it was all the way back in episode 41 that you were on to talk about uh, where you live, which is Pueblo. I won't steal your thunder there. And all the things you were doing with, like, trail building and family riding. And it was fun to look back at that. And you have, like, things have changed for you since then, so I'm excited to have you back. Yeah, and it's good to be back. I am always psyched to chat about Pueblo. Uh, I love this place, and there's yeah, I love this place, and I love what there is to do here. Yeah, and and I have yeah, like you said, I've been doing doing my damnedest to uh, see that that's accessible to everyone here, and that they know about it, and that they feel like it's also for them. Awesome. And, and well, and of course, if anyone read the title of this episode as they were getting ready to listen, they also know that you're on to talk about a new entity called Grassroots Gravel. And I absolutely love this. Everyone needs to go to your website because it's beautiful. Well, shucks. Thank you much. <laughs> you're and welcome. yeah, that's 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 the most recent and and I'd argue most significant endeavor okay. that I've dived into in Pueblo and for Pueblo. Yeah. And and I wanted to highlight a couple of things. You mentioned, you know, that the last time we talked, if folks haven't heard that episode, we talked about the trails here. And those trails are specifically out at Lake Pueblo State Parks. Anyone listening, 45 miles of single track. Whoa. Within five miles of downtown. And they all overlook the reservoir there, Lake wow. Pueblo. And, and you can ride there on the river trail from downtown. It's, it is crazy that this is not a, a bigger thing. Plenty of people use it, but um, getting more locals out there on those trails, is, it's an ongoing goal of, of ours, that being us, us being, Adam Davidson's associated with a bunch of different entities. So if I say us, some of them are separate and related, blah, blah, blah. So well, Southern Colorado trail builders, I can go over them. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, let's get into like, how did, how did you get to the point where you have 45 miles of single track in little Pueblo, Colorado? Sure. Yeah. So 
you know, 15, 20 years ago, there was a dedicated group of cyclists, uh, and this is before my time, that uh, proposed to the state park there that they build some trails, um, both for locals and that people, you know, people would come and use them. And the state park gave permission, and they went ahead and did that, and they built some great trails out there, and, and it worked. You know, this is one of the one of the cold season destinations in the state. People travel here from across the front range of Colorado and, mm. and the surrounding states. And um, it's kind of a, a little fruta of the front range is what people used to call it, like especially when it was in its heyday because it was, it was an early trail system mm-hmm. compared, to, uh, compared to a lot of other places. And, you know, over the past five years, the, the organization that, that, was, uh, that built it originally has put in a whole bunch of work on the more diplomatic and bureaucratic side to make sure that those trails are completely systemized in terms of being official within Colorado Parks and Wildlife, so mm-hmm. that way they're sustainable long-term. And that's what I wanted to highlight was in the past couple of years, Southern Colorado Trail Builders has had just a rock star board of volunteers. That's the organization that maintains all the trails out at Lake Pueblo State Park. And in addition to, you know, all the foundational work we've been doing in the last five years to, uh, in collaboration with Colorado Parks and Wildlife and the federal, at the federal level, the Bureau of Reclamation, to make sure those trails are legal, um, we, we oversaw almost $200,000 worth of professional trail improvements out there wow. to make sure that those trails are not only more sustainable, but also more accessible. So something that that system was missing for years was kind of a uh, like a a moderate level, you know, like a, a more approachable main backbone trail that kind of connects everything. Mm-hmm. Um, for folks that are familiar, that's always been South Shore, but <laughs> that's it's it's that's been kind of like a blue square level difficulty with some gnarly climbs in it that were short, but they were there, and so. It just wasn't super accessible, and so it wasn't sustainable either in those spots. And so we, uh, we worked with the park to identify some awesome reroutes for that area that added, I mean, it's a better rider experience, better hiking experience. Some of the views are even better now, and, um, and it's more sustainable. It requires less, less maintenance. And then in addition to that, we replaced a whole bunch of literally rotting out structures with some rad rock work mm. in the more technical trails. So, yeah, that's, um, we went from as an organization, you know, trying to make sure that those trails existed and being in a somewhat, you know, over the course of history, a somewhat adversarial relationship between CPW and the Bureau of Reclamation and, and this ragtag dedicated group of folks making this happen to partnering with them officially and and that funding actually came from a CPW grant. <laughs> so wow. so we were, you know, back in the day, these folks did the hard work and put those trails together. And then with our powers combined, you know, we now were able to leverage those those big, big partners to do huge work out there. And it's just just the beginning. So hmm. so that's been exciting. That's been a huge accomplishment. And I want to just shout out all the volunteers that helped to make that happen and, and the volunteer board members that have put in put in all that hard work. And you said it was the Southern Colorado Trail Builders, which, uh, is that an entirely volunteer group? Yeah. Oh, yep. wow. So they're, they're an entirely 
volunteer-run 501c3 nonprofit that's mm-hmm. based here in Pueblo, and and they are the de facto, um, and actually not just de facto, they're it's, it, there's a federal memorandum of understanding uh, that that designates Southern Colorado trail builders as the stewards of the trails at Lake Pueblo State Park. Oh, yeah, and um, and we we've also done work up uh, up just outside of town. I think that we discussed the Carhartt Trail. That's in Beulah, Colorado. Um, and that's a brand new trail that connects up to the Squirrel Creek Trail, which is the first, the first designated recreation area in the entire U.S. Forest Service was Squirrel Creek Recreational Unit. Oh, my it gosh. Predates every single U.S. Forest campground in the U.S. So if you've camped at a USFS campground, this one predates it. And so we, we built that trail in uh, 2018, and then actually just before doing all that work at Lake Pueblo State Park, we also hired some uh, professional trail contractor to go out to the, uh, to the Carhartt Trail that we had built to the tune of 2,500 hours of volunteer hand labor to build the, the initial version of it, wow. and then had that uh, buffed out and, um, and cleaned up. So again, it was more sustainable and more accessible by a professional trail building crew. And that was, I think that was like $15,000 worth of work. Um, and again, you know, all grant and donation funded. So, right. so yeah, what? that's that's Southern Colorado Trail Builders. And there you can learn about them at socotrails.org. Okay. And I assume, you know, you said that you had a grant and you had funding coming in that way. But also if people are like, I need to go check out these trails, they also have the opportunity to donate via that website you mentioned. Okay. Yes, correct. Yeah, and it's and that that one's um, like I mentioned, it's a five hundred one c three, so it's it is uh, a deductible donation. So okay, cool. All right. So obviously, you have passion for trails, um, single track, but you also have passion for gravel. Am I right? I I do I do, and I didn't think that I would. And this is this is a point that I'd love to share with the world. I mean, I talk a lot, Murph, so I hope you have, like, more time today and (laughs) are able to trim this up. But, yeah, I mean, like, uh, biking's played a critical role in my life. I I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, like, fully reiterate our last, our last uh, discussion. You know, I'm sure that you'll be able to link it or whatever. Yep, yep. um, Just just so folks have a bit of context for me, you know, like, I was an obese, you know, tween and teenager, and biking changed my life. You know, I always did it, but it ended up being the tool that I really committed to and, you know, lost almost a hundred pounds doing that. And then, and it's been foundational to my life in every way, not just the the fitness aspect of it, but also all the volunteerism that I've done over the last 25 years, a lot of it's somehow connected to bikes and to health and community. Mm -hmm. And I mean, all that volunteerism is what, that's what got me into graduate school. That's what got me my uh, career jobs. That's how I got established in marketing, which has been my career working uh, across the nation in that. Um, and I'm not, I wasn't in cycling, but my experience around my volunteerism is how I got into all that, mm-hmm. how I got some of these interviews. So, um, yeah, bikes have been very powerful for me. And I used to race downhill and mountain cross. And I love, love, love super technical trail riding and all this stuff. But if, so if you had asked me five years ago, what do you think about, uh, 
riding on dirt roads for 10 hours. How does that sound? I'd probably say terrible. That sounds terrible. Uh, but that being said, you know, I've always loved being able to just get out of Dodge, <laughs> get out of town and be where there are either, you know, just fewer people, quieter air. It's just kind of nice. And, and I've always been into getting to sharing this with people. You know, I, I love it just played such a role and it's been so good for my soul that I love to be able to share things with people. And um, and and trails are great. It's it's somewhat straightforward to, you know, you know, you can take people out for you know, a hike uh, pretty, pretty easily in terms of if they you don't need any specific equipment other than a reliable pair of shoes for that. Um, but with mountain biking, there are some pretty specific barriers on multiple fronts. You know, there's the if somebody's not familiar with trails, period, you know, that's that's literally a whole new world. Oh, for sure. Um, it's it's a you know, those things don't even show up on the maps that your average person is familiar with, like in their phone, for example. Right. Um, so, I mean, even just finding them is a whole new experience. Mm -hmm. You're like, wait, OK, so I want to go on a trail. But like, what? I can see there's a trailhead here, but what do I what's going on here? So so there's that piece. It's, it's just it's, it's getting there and then knowing where you're at. There's that piece of it. And then if we're talking mountain biking, well, you know, trails are all all different levels of difficulty. Mm -hmm. And and so you're dealing with the technical skill necessary to actually do it safely, let alone enjoy it. <laughs> and and then equipment, you know, I mean, it's uh, anyone that's spent time on a range of different bikes knows how different the experience can be just based on the equipment that you have. Right. Not to mention and, the level of uh, for me personally, the level of fear. Because mountain bike trails are a whole different ball game than, like you mentioned, just your nice, easygoing gravel. Exactly. That yeah, the technical piece and then the equipment piece, and the equipment piece is obviously tied into financial barriers. Same with transporting your bicycle there. Um, so that's that's something that I've always been acutely aware of uh, because you know, I like I like seeing people get involved, and I've and I've always lived in places that have a much broader spectrum of demographics and socioeconomic statuses than, you know, some of your cities that might be a little bit more uniform, to mm -hmm. be frank. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, something like gravel, well, okay, those are all roads that show up on any map. You know, they're in your phone, they're, uh, they're online on, you know, everything. They're there. They're roads. They just happen to be made of dirt. And chances are there's something somewhat nearby to most municipalities that's gravel. And if it's not a gravel road, maybe there's a breeze trail or something, but that's another conversation, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so then that being said, you know, they're less technical. They're still, you need more thought than just riding on the road um, on a gravel road because the texture changes. But for the most part, it's way less technical than any single track. Mm -hmm. You can ride next to your friend. You know, you don't need a specific bicycle to ride on a gravel road. Nearly any reliable bike is capable on a gravel road. And and then also the the unknown, that fear factor of whether it's fear because of uh, technical terrain or being unable to know where you're at or knowing whether there's, you know, what if I do get hurt? Well, 
you're on a road, Mm -hmm. you know? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, if something happens, you can have a friend come pick you up or you could have, you you could call emergency services, assuming that you're in the service, of course. So there are variables here that, that could affect this. But for the most part, you know, people can get to you on gravel. And so the thing that's beautiful about gravel is you're out where there's fewer cars. You're more in nature because usually gravel roads are more rural, mm-hmm. regardless of where you are. Um, and, and you can probably get there without having to hop in your car. You know, even if you're only on, on a gravel road or a more, even if it's a more rural paved road, you know, whatever. But anyhow, it kind of like democratizes the cycling world. You know, it, it's, if you're looking at it through a lens that's not like purely blinded by, uh, you know, industry jargon or marketing or, um, you know, elite athleticism, you know, where it's the fact of the matter with gravel is you can use damn near any bike as long as it's reliable. You don't need to go fast, but sure, it's fun if you do, and it's fun if you don't. And you can ride next to your friends, and and, and you have all these resources uh, if you need them. And that's, that is why I like gravel, that big picture. And then like personally, the types of things that I like about it is I can just go forever, and I could go places. Uh, I could use it to connect just big, stupid rides. Just, <laughs> right. I, I love that. That's my, my favorite is being able to just go out for an insanely giant ride if I need to like cross a creek and hope my oxen don't die. Like I'm into that. So anyhow, that is to make a short story long why I like gravel. Well, and uh, not to mention, at least for me, you know, I'm a, uh, I live in Iowa. I live in a, you know, a city, but as a kid on my little, you know, single speed coaster brake bike, I could ride gravel like no other. Like Mm -hmm. I somehow I figured out how to, you know, balance my bike, probably didn't wear a helmet. You know, that was a long time ago. So in for most people, the the even though gravel's a different way of biking, I would say a lot of people probably experienced it as a kid and it's still in their brain somewhere. Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, at its core, if you, you know, if you step back from, from how commodified it's become, you know, uh, gravel is like bikes again, it's playing bikes and going on a bike ride with people because if you're not trying to take it super seriously in regards to like setting PRs and getting the KOM on that hill or whatever, then there's, there's not much to it. It's just riding the damn bike and being out there with people. (laughs) It's not like sick. I finally cleared that section or like I finally beat my time and that stuff's fun, but the opportunity to just make it about being there, uh, I think really shines with gravel. Well, and that is an easy segue into grassroots gravel. So, you know, you love riding on gravel. You've already, you know, shared why it is the best, maybe not the best, but why it is a great form of travel via bike. But first, you know, there was some connection of wanting to share it with others. So tell Mm -hmm. us about grassroots gravel. Sure. Well, I cannot talk about grassroots gravel without mentioning gravel logos. There's there's an event uh, down in Heiko, Texas called uh, Gravel Locos that was founded by uh, Fabian Seralta and 
he is passionate about gravel. He is passionate about professional racing in gravel. And he started this event to bring a pro-level event where the pros could uh, engage with everyday riders and vice versa. And his event has become kind of the de facto predecessor to Unbound. Mm -hmm. And so folks will, you know, go to Gravel Locos, race super hard, and it kind of gives you an idea of how Unbound is likely to shake out, and it also helps the the pro-level riders figure out, like, what they want to change or, or just kind of where they're honestly at with themselves. So... And on a uh, side note, I did an episode on Gravel oh, Loco, right. so I will share that link in the show notes along with Adam's first episode. So sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's all good. So um, Fabian wanted to bring uh, an event to Colorado. And um, so, so he, when he had uh, gotten into contact with the city of Pueblo as one of the options that he was looking at, uh, the city brought me in very early on. Um, and, and that ended up becoming a great relationship. You know, I, uh, his, Fabian and Clemence and, and his team, you know, Eric, Robert, and so many more that helped make that a reality. Um, I worked with them to, you know, develop their relationship with stakeholders in the region, uh, connected them with the Red Creek Volunteer Fire and Rescue Department that was the, uh, the recipient of some of the proceeds of the 2022 event. And I uh, designed all the routes for Gravel Locos Pueblo. And, you know, going into 2023, we, I played, you know, a, a big role planning all the pieces out on this end um, to, to get that all laid down. And it's a great event. I mean, I went down to Heiko this past year and had an awesome time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, I mean, at its core, uh, Gravel Locos is, is a professional race. And so there was some, some push and pull there. And I don't think it's my place to, to jump into, you know, however that shook out. Um, but, you know, it just made sense for Gravel Locos to make the call to pull from the Colorado market, um, or at least Pre- I'll say Pueblo, because I don't know what, like what, what, if there's any future there for the state, right? State's a big place. But, but Fabian made the call to, to pull from Pueblo um, just based on, on that dynamic there. You know, in the midst of all that, I'm looking at this as, you know, um, I'm in the community. I've been here for a decade and, and I can see what this brought. You know, Fabian set this awesome precedent for mm-hmm. what an event could be in Pueblo. And um, when that event, when Gravel Locos, uh, you know, pulled from this area, I saw, okay, you know, we have these incredible routes right here. We have a region that could use something to plan around, uh, you know, something that they could actually rely on to develop some public health programming strategies, you know, help people build up to something and some economic development strategies to bring in the outdoor industry and to engage people locally. And, um, and I had scheduled a title sponsor meeting, a potential title sponsor, shortly before they had made the call to pull from the market. Mm. And I thought, oh, there is no way we are canceling this meeting <laughs> because the, the opportunity right. for... For, for doing something incredible and doing it sustainably and reliably, which is key for me, uh, it's too great. So I'm going to make this happen. And so with Grassroots Gravel, what had happened is I was designing some posters just to help get the word out for Gravel Locos. And that was a headline I had put on it. And I thought, that's confusing. It looks like that's the name of the event. But if that URL is available, then I'll grab that and that just will set become, a pointer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if people go there and they'll just take them to Gravel Locos Pueblo, whatever. 
Um, and it was available, so I bought that. And, I, and I've been in marketing for a decade, so like if I see things like that, um, and it's related to something I'm going to be doing in the community, like I'll, I'll grab the, you know, the URL and the socials and whatever. And it was all available, which blew my mind. You know, so I had, I had gotten the URL and, and you know, the Instagram and the Facebook and you know, all these different pieces. I had a vision for this event uh, that was different than what Gravel Locals was bringing to the table. And so I built that out the brand, the messaging, the concept of the event in two days. Oh, wow. I mean, it had been brewing, you know, for, for months. And I've been in, there's a, there's this huge foundation behind all these things. It's not just like it's a crapshoot, right? It's like, um, very calculated. But that being said, you know, I, I had a very short timeline to shift tack um, and then get on this call with the potential title sponsor uh, with this, with this, different event, right? Same venue, different date, but entirely different organization creating right. Grassroots Gravel. And my vision for Grassroots Gravel is a flagship level, professionally produced event for the every person. To give people this pro level experience and to give them resources to either, you know, meet their own set set goals for themselves and, and to work toward them or to, you know, try something new if they never spend time on a bike and for folks that, you know, haven't been on a bike forever or don't even want to consider themselves cyclists, to give them an option to build up to something just to get moving, to mm -hmm. explore and experience their community in a different way, similar to like a couch to 5K. So when I, when I launched the event, you know, we, you know, we are doing uh, a 110, a 75, a 40 and a 15 and oh, that wow. 15 we added just so, like probably only a week or two ago because I realized after talking to some folks about representation within the event about inclusivity folks that are not present in whether we're talking cycling or or in you know race events uh, that's an option that is that is viable for folks to prepare for um, whether it's over a longer timeline, if they have, if they feel they need more time to prepare, but it's it's a much more approachable distance for folks that are seeking fewer miles. Mm -hmm. And in addition to you know creating just that option, uh, we're building out resources for folks. So there's a there's a really basic uh, training outline on the site right now, and I'm currently developing something that's going to be like a printout that people could put up on their wall that would be week by week for, you know, things that they could do each day to be ready for this event in two months, the 15. And I'm going to be working on stuff for the 40 and the 75 and the 110. And of course, those will look different because if somebody's training for 110, it's chances are they're, they're starting at a different level. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, my, my goal here is, is to give people resources to try something new and for, you know, the everyday rider to give them that pro level experience to have, you know, this, uh, we're bringing in the same timing company that does all the biggest gravel races in the U.S., literally. Um, so that way folks have that level of, you know, precision and, and high standards for, for just making sure that, you know, everything's taken care of. You know, when, when I decided to commit to doing grassroots gravel and commit to this vision of making it for everyone, um, like, I felt like now was the time, and because Gravel Locus had just happened last year, I didn't want to lose that momentum of people seeing Pueblo, 
in that light. You yeah. know, if you let it ride for a year, then it would just be another year where Pueblo had a big cycling event and then it died. Because that's unfortunately happened more than once. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that that wouldn't happen again. And I know that I have the right tools to do this really well. And, well, and I, I love that you're offering, you know, multiple different routes for different, like, uh, I'll just say level of interest. But like if, you know, if I'm coming to Pueblo with my spouse or my friends and they're maybe at the upper level of their uh, you know, racing or whatever. And maybe I just want to just, you know, dip my toe in the water on what gravel's all about. I can still participate. Like that's just a, a brilliant option. Well, thanks. And yeah, that's, that's exactly it is, you know, we want to see folks getting involved and, and accomplishing something for themselves. And that could be anything, you know, I mean, if you're a pro, hopefully people are able to come down here and just push themselves and whatever that means for them uh, and, and whatever this race becomes for them, but for the, for, for any rider, you know, what the, whatever that looks like to come out to this event, enjoy your version of it. Um, that's, that's important to me. And, you know, one thing I didn't mention is that in this event, I added an e-bike category oh. and it's its own category because then for one, uh, it can be, a uh, uh, unique race unto itself because it's e-bikes on e-bikes. And it also negates any arguments about e-bikes and non-e-bikes. So it, it stifles any, any issues or, or it can quash any, any you know, dissent that people might have about, oh, no, why e-bikes? Um, while also giving this opportunity for folks to come and, and ride their ride and race their race. I love that um, idea, yeah. Because, I mean, e-bikes are are only getting more popular. They're a great tool for getting outside. And I actually, I love them because, you know, even on things like a group ride, it's, it's the same thing you're describing with the different distances. You know, if you're on a group ride, especially on gravel, again, because it's not as, you know, it's not as technical, is you could be riding with a friend that's wanting to go at a different pace than you. Mm -hmm. And if whichever one is not wanting to be going a faster pace, well, if they're on an e-bike, Everyone, everyone is happy. Right. You can, <laughs> right. You can use your e-bike and be riding at the pace that, that somebody who's after a faster pace is riding at. And you're, you're both getting a ride. You're both, you're both moving. You're both out there doing it and, and you're having fun. So, um, yeah, I, the, the different routes, the different route distances and, and the e-bike category is definitely there. Uh, they're there specifically so that way people have options right. to to get out there and, and get engaged. And do you want to talk a little bit about the cause, like you're uh, the beneficiary of this event? Yes. This being the inaugural year, the beneficiary of part of the proceeds of Grassroots Gravel, uh, similar to uh, Gravel Locos when it was in Pueblo, is going to be and will continue to be Red Creek Volunteer Fire and Rescue. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, that's a volunteer fire and rescue department that is right on our courses you know i ride past that place on probably half my gravel rides and you know i when i'm out on our weekly red creek rally uh, group rides i often see connect who is their board president when she's driving home uh, you know these are these are people that live right here in the community that are volunteering their time and are likely to be the ones that would be responding 
if yeah, to call. there were right. an incident or an emergency in that area. And it's and, and like I said, we're right they're right on our course. We're one of the aid stations is at their department. Oh, wow. And uh, you know, in addition to that, they have cooperative agreements uh, throughout the whole region. And so, you know, there have been times where there's been, you know, wildfires or structure fires or, you know, whatever incident, whether it's in the city of Pueblo or out in Beulah or Colorado City, which is also right along the route. You know, all these different places, you know, they're out there. They're out there and they're helping. Um, and they're doing that on a shoestring budget. You know, they have, they've got equipment that's been around the block and they, they do what they can to maintain it. They've got a building that is, you know, rudimentary by all rights. And, and they're making it happen. And so, you know, so that's going to continue to happen. And I'm going to do what I can for them uh, because the model of grassroots gravel is slightly different than gravel locos and that is you know i am running this as my business and mm. and there's a reason for that and so i mean that's that might raise eyebrows but the thing is with this i mean for one i think i have enough street cred to say i'm not in this for the money <laughs> uh, yeah, i've been doing i've been doing this stuff for free for a decade right uh, and and the reason that i'm running this as a business as opposed to for example a non-profit which who knows in the future but you know especially starting it out uh, is if I'm running it as a business and I'm making sure that you know I'm able to make a living, that I can dedicate my full time to it because I'm very good at this stuff and I'm very passionate about this region. Mm-hmm. And so if I can apply an entire atom to this and, and apply the network that I'm able to build when I have that much time to dedicate to it, I know that that's going to be powerful outcomes for the region. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's there's a there's a donation uh, option right on the website uh, or the registration rather, uh, and of course on their website there's one. But within registration for grassroots gravel, there's a donation option, and all those donations are going to go straight to them. It's not like I'm shaving anything off that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then additionally, I'm going to be giving a portion of the proceeds uh, to that. And so that's they they are the financial beneficiaries of a of a portion of the proceeds of the event, and then separately. The vision for this event at large is that this event will be every year. So that way we can plan in collaboration with the public health department, the Boys and Girls Club, uh, Parks and Recreation Department of the city, et cetera, to have programs tied into it, knowing that there's going to be this event every October. There's mm-hmm. going to be a big cycling event, and the goal is to get people out there and moving. If we're going to be doing this flagship event every year, then it makes sense to figure out, you know, what are the ancillary events that make sense? Yeah. Um, that makes sense to the reason that, you know, if if mom comes down to ride grassroots gravel, you know, where's, where's dad and the kids while she's doing that? Are there other activities? Is there a family ride in town? Is there a concert? Is there blah, 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 all these pieces? Um, what's there for the community to do uh, during that? <laughs> gravel gravel cycling is not exactly a spectator sport. Uh, <laughs> right. And so... You know, what, uh, what's there? And so, you know, this year the expo is it's still going to be fun. We're still going to have music and there's going to be vendors there all day. Um, but then, you know, the bigger picture is, you know, who do we, wanna, who do we want to, uh, to have out there? You know, who's, who in the community is interested in, in engaging, uh, you know, the cycling community or, or kind of trying that out? You know, what does that look like? And, and building something out like that, that's also part of the cause is this bigger picture of, of engaging the community. You know, it's, it's my goal that this is an event that is that feels safe for people, that feels 
welcoming to them, that there's a place for them there. So it's very multifaceted. Right. That's the goal. And uh, like I mentioned before we started recording, this event is coming up October 14th. And can people register now or is it like where are we at with registration? Grassroots Gravel is taking place October 14th and registration is open. Folks can sign up now. When they sign up, uh, I had mentioned that they can donate if they want. Those Mm -hmm. donations go straight through to Red Creek Volunteer Fire and Rescue. We are going to have full aid stations and SAG support on all the routes. Mm. Uh, We're going to have the expo at the start finish, and we're going to have an after party at Fuel and Iron Food Hall. You know, at said expo, when riders finish up, you know, they're going to be able to ride through the finish line and wrap around the building, ride straight into the expo, and then hand their bike off to a bike valet which is inside a closed building all on its own, not open to anyone. They can go about getting food and drink and chatting with the vendors and checking out fuel and iron um, while they know that their bike is secure. Awesome. And I think we mentioned it a couple times, maybe, but tell the listeners again the actual website to go to to find out more info. So Murphology listeners can find out full information about Grassroots Gravel at grassrootsgravel.com mm-hmm. and we're also on Instagram as grassrootsgravel mm-hmm. and I'm creating a discount code for your listeners so anyone that's listening right now you can get 15% off of grassroots gravel registration with the code MERFOLOGY nice all caps wow thank you for that that's awesome and you can't You're beat welcome. like if it, listeners, after you get done with this episode, you need to go back and listen to episode 41 because Adam highlights just how beautiful Pueblo is. And it's there's just there's so much that that community offers back. So it's awesome. Yeah, this, the courses here, I am biased and I think that they're incredible. It's definitely, like you said, a gravel race for everyone to do grassroots gravel. So uh, hopefully you have... I mean, of course, you're already planning and set for it, but let's hope for a beautiful day and a lot of people to come to Pueblo. Yes. Yeah. If, if I'm hoping for a beautiful day, fall in Pueblo is usually incredible. Uh, I mean, think you know, crisp, dry air, gentle breeze, 60s and 70s. Nice. As you ride up into the hills, you're going to see some foliage and it might be in the 60s. It is beautiful. And for folks that might be looking for a weekly ride, we run the Red Creek Rally every Tuesday night. Hmm. All conditions, every Tuesday, period, except for freezing rain. (laughs) (laughs) And I was going to qualify, you know, a lot of people who uh, gravel race all the time, you know, sometimes the worse the weather, the better in their head. You know, they have so much fun on gravel. So you're right. Gravel race for everyone. You know, I sh- weather doesn't matter. Just go to Pueblo. Be there for October 14th. Exactly. And we'll share resources for folks that might not be familiar about what they should bring if the weather is not going to be ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the event will be no matter what. It's yeah. happening. 
And I do think uh, I spent some time on grassrootsgravel.com, and it's a great resource, like what you said, you know, weekly training rides and training plans and all kinds of, like, prep. And then, you know, you list your sponsors. You list all the details for the actual day of events. So uh, one-stop shop. Awesome. Well, we're trying. We're yeah, trying. yeah. Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And, you know, it's pretty cool that the birth of grassroots gravel has happened. And uh, I am rooting for you to have a successful event. Cool. Yeah. Thanks again, Murph, for having me on and, and for highlighting the website. I do want to shout out our title sponsor for 2023. And, and, you know, their support is helping to make this happen. Mm -hmm. And the work that they do is tied into our our cause, our beneficiary, Red Creek Volunteer Fire and Rescue. So this company called Ambipar that is based in Brazil. So they're an international incident response company. Oh, wow. They're a company that does work uh, responding to major emergencies like chemical spills, train derailments, huge environmental incidents. And they also do training. And they just recently came into the Pueblo region uh, to take over a contract out at a federal test track facility just outside of town here. And they're stepping in to support this event because they want to see, you know, volunteer fire departments thrive, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout their entire service area. They want to build an identity here and a connection with the community and the fire departments in this community in the entire region. And and show that you know they have commitment to to um you know this sort of activity you know just as part of who they are you know in addition to being incident response and training you know they have a major sustainability component and they see themselves as uh, as a valuable partner in the communities that they're in and so you know ambipar is the presenting this you know with them we are able to um, really bring this event to the next level and so I'm excited to have them on board. Excellent. Thank you much. I am excited for it. And we've already booked our timing company for 2024 as well. Nice. All right. Thank you, cool. Adam. Thank you. Well, listeners, that's it for this week. Email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology and visit both my Facebook and Instagram pages for daily entertainment. I have more great episodes in the pipeline, so I hope you continue to be a Morphology Podcast listener.